Underway this hour on Flames Talk. It's September 26th. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson of Post Media with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. A recovery day for the Calgary Flames. No on ice. Nobody had to show up at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Two days and three games. The old three and two is now in the books. We have some game action to dive into, but after three days of on the ice and then two pretty intensive days, including a split squad game on Monday, yeah, you can understand a recovery day, which gives us a little bit of time to break down what we've seen so far. What are we? Uh, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm good, buddy. I, I always wondered, when, when does Pat Steinberg recover? Not right now. I feel like, I feel like I've been run over by a train today. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't even know why. I just, you know. The old condo flood doesn't help. Yeah, that's a tough one. Some of the other stuff going on doesn't help, but yeah, it feels like... uh, I hate to brag, I got my mixed sours over here. That was a lifesaver. Yeah, a little sugar. $2.99 little tin of mixed sours that Wes brought in. If if you're going bang for buck, not great, but hey, sometimes you just need some mixed sours. Sometimes you need to splurge. All that radio money, as you said. Radio money, baby. Uh, yeah, the old uh, CPKC train has uh, ran me right over, but we're ready to rock. Um, let's start with some good news or or a positive topic because we've got game action to dive into, and what we we've seen two games with our own two eyes. There's also been a game in Seattle. From what we've seen, and it's tough to put too much into what we didn't see in Seattle on Monday night. But the two games at the Dome, who's bettered their case? What what player has taken a step? What player has made their case stronger to be on the opening day roster? Because we each have a couple of guys that we're pointing to. I've got a couple of forwards. You've got a couple of defensemen. Because I do think there have been some performances that we can point to and say, yep, they, uh, they, they've done well so far. And it's only two appearances for a lot of these guys. But and there's still five more games to go and a couple of weeks of training camp still to go. But in the early stages, I think there have been some steps forward taken. Why don't you go first? Why don't we start on the blue line? I know you got a couple of names that uh, have kind of jumped out to you so far. Yeah, the first one for me, and, and we've only seen him once uh, Sunday night against the Vancouver Canucks, is, is Jordan Osterley. And the first thing that jumps out about Osterley, the free agent acquisition this summer, is that with Oliver Shillington away from the team for personal reasons, he gets that first crack beside Chris Tanev. And, and I thought as far as first impressions go, Jordan Osterley couldn't have fared much better on Sunday night. He, he scores kind of a fluky one. He rings another one off the crossbar. He was really strong defensively. He gets a shout out post game from Ryan Huska. And yep. I think a lot of people left the rink that night. Like Jordan, Whatever team he's been on, when he was on the Edmonton Oilers, when he was on the Coyotes, when he was on the Detroit Red Wings, you're probably not paying a ton of attention to Jordan Osterley. And I think a lot of people 
left the Saddle Dome that night really thinking he was maybe different than what you had in mind for a, a seventh defenseman. He yeah. skates really well. And that's probably the reason that he's had the longevity he's had in the NHL. You think he's played 350 some games now and he moves the puck really well. And so that's the first guy for me, you know, you get the first shot there with Chris Tanev, it kind of becomes your job to lose. And that's a guy to me that has really improved his case. And then the second guy I think of the guy who's probably making the biggest push for that sixth defenseman job, at least in the early stages of camp, is Ilya Slovyev. And he's a guy who I was impressed with Sunday. I didn't see the game last night in Seattle. Obviously a little bit busy at the Saddle Dome, but saw the highlights, saw the stats. I mean, you're talking about a goal, an assist, six shots on net for a player, and he's still only 23 years old, that we class as sort of a stay-at-home defenseman, those numbers really jump off the page. And, yep. and I know from talking to some people at the rink, there's been excitement about Slovyov, but he stuck around Calgary for a huge part of this summer. He was on the training program with Ricky Davis. He has really impressed me. And so early stages, but two guys who I think have really improved their case, those two. So a couple of, of reactions to those two. I, I like them both. So on the Osterly front, you know who he reminds me a lot of right now? Who's that? Reminds me a lot of Troy Stetcher. And, and it's a good comparison. I, and, and a similar role. Third pairing guy who can skate, add a little offense. I know Stetcher's numbers prior to getting to Calgary last year were not very good. And he didn't have a lot of luck on the offensive side of things. All of a sudden he gets to the flames and a little bit, you know, a higher end group than he was playing with in Arizona. And all of a sudden those numbers start to pop a little bit. Left shot versus right, right shot. Osterley's a left shot and Stetcher filled a need on the right side. But I think Osterley, similar role. And with Oliver Shillington being unavailable for the time being, and we'll see how that story continues to play out, but I think Osterley fills a very similar role. Good mobile depth defenseman. Is he going to be displacing Uyghur or Hannafin or Anderson or Tanev? No, but on a pairing with Tanev right now and in the top six to start the season wouldn't be a surprise at all. And, and I'm with you. I was really intrigued by the signing because it always been... I'd always been kind of a fan from afar. I liked him when he played for Edmonton. Sure. I always thought he was a really good skater. Um, and I always thought that he brought a little bit more than maybe the, um, maybe than how much he was ever talked about. So I liked that signing when they brought him in. And so I'm curious to see how that one evolves. And then, yeah, Solovyov. I wonder if in different circumstances, not, in the midst of and in the midst of a pandemic and in the first ever pandemic scouting year we've ever had. Remember, he's a 2020 pick. The 2020 draft was in October and a, a lot of guys lost all kinds of time. So you've got this 2020 draft, a guy who was in Belarus at the time, even though he had, had spent some time in in the OHL, be it, and you're a little worried about immigration and international travel and all that type of stuff. I just wonder if Solovyov goes higher than the seventh round in a more traditional year. You know, if he doesn't go back to Belarus, if he stays in the Ontario league, I just wonder if his 
I wonder if his draft stock's a little higher because what we've and, seen from him is is much higher than a seventh round pick. And he was twenty years old at the time yeah. that he was drafted. Like he was he was not knowing exactly what number overall. He was let's call it fifteen picks from becoming an undrafted free agent. He was uh, number two oh five, which let's see out how, of let's, what two seventeen. Let's see how good your math is. Uh, no, yeah, twelve off. 12 off. 217. Yeah. So look at Wes. Obviously, the the Flames saw enough potential and wanted, instead of going into that sort of bidding process, wanted to get him on, on their reserve list, you know, draft his rights. He's he's been a really nice find for a seventh round pick. He, you know, you always worry uh, about the big, tall, I wouldn't say heavy, but the you know, when you see a six foot, two hundred and whatever pound defenseman drafted in the seventh round, you always worry about the skating. Yeah, the mobility. I, I don't see that being an issue with him. I, I love his willingness to block shots. And I, I think he's already become more than the Wranglers expected him to be at this point in his career. I mean, he was a guy they certainly didn't anticipate being on their top pairing for a big chunk of last season. And the sort of trajectory he's on and also the pace like how rapidly he seems to be improving he's a really fascinating player for me you asked uh, michael stone in flames development about Solovyov on monday's flames talk and here's what uh, michael stone now in flames development working with a lot of the defensemen here's what he had to say about the uh, young defender he's just a big strong kid that works hard and I think he's he moves quite well for for how big he is, and and uh, I, I think I think he's got some some real good potential of of being a, a steady defenseman in this league if if he can continue to grow his game. I I, I don't see why uh, why he couldn't couldn't play. So it, I I really like him. I I think he's a really good good kid and, and he works hard and what, what more can you ask for out of that so good reviews from michael stone and in, in his position good reviews in his first two years playing pro hockey in north america and has had himself a really nice training camp so far uh no doubt about it and and so now we see how it progresses as opposing rosters get better we'll see if he is on the roster for wednesday's game in winnipeg gonna be i i'm with you i and and you've been talking about him for a few weeks now. You've mentioned Solovyov's name. I think even going back to last year, I remember watching a couple of Wranglers games in the playoffs with you, and and he's a guy that you continually pointed out. So good start to training camp for Solovyov, no doubt about it. And, and let's be kind of frank about his ceiling. Like this, I think this is a guy that is a depth defenseman at the NHL level. This is a guy that you you look to skate on your bottom pairing. We're we're not talking about a guy with maybe the upside at least that I see or a lot of people see that maybe a Jeremy Poirier has but if you can find a future third pairing guy in the seventh round you've you've done a tidy bit of business yep. there yep. yeah I know I know you have a couple intriguing names too a couple of guys that uh 
you think have really strengthened their case through a week or or not quite a week of training camp? Who's who's caught your eye? Well, they're both forwards, and and one of them goes back to the young stars in Penticton, and that's Adam Klapka. He was uh, at Young Stars because basically the way they did it, if you have more than one year of pro under your belt in the organization, you don't go to Young Stars. You're not at rookie camp, but Klapka's only got the one year of North American pro under his belt. Had a great rookie year, all things considered, for uh, – uh, for the Wranglers, but Adam Klapka continues to impress me, man. I he was maybe the most impressive player last year at Young Stars, watching from afar. This year, being able to be there in person, thought he was one of the more impressive guys again. A great, and that's going up against other 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds for the most part. But good skill, good skating, uses his size and is getting more and more comfortable with his size. I thought he had a really nice training camp, main camp last year, but was not really a threat to be in the NHL because he'd never played a single pro game uh, in North America. He's played he's played USHL, we know that. But this year, again good in Penticton, and he's been good any on-ice session or any game I've seen him in. Thought he was good in those first three on-ice sessions. Thought he was good Sunday in the 10 nothing blowout. And thought he was good Monday in the 5-3 loss to Seattle. There's, there's something there with him. And even if he doesn't turn into a full-time NHLer, which I don't think is off the table at all, but even if he doesn't, a guy that they signed as an undrafted free agent out of the Czech Republic and he's already turned into a guy who I think is knocking on the door to be a recall down the road. That's found money for the organization. A guy who helps your American League team at worst and who's got an opportunity to crack an NHL roster. Um, I think they've got something there. You do not see six foot eight humans who skate like Klopka does, who have skill like Klopka does but still are very willing to be nasty, be physical, stick up for teammates, throw their weight around. He has got a unique combination of skills and abilities that I remain very intrigued by. So I think he is he's done himself a big-time favor early on, and I think he's going to be in camp for the long run. And my gut would be he's one of the last cuts that we see from this camp. If, and, and maybe other doors open up, which we'll get to, but at worst, I think he's one of the last cuts that we see. I uh, I like the way you put it when you talk about the sort of consistency with which he's been a standout for this team. He, he was a standout last year in Penticton. He was a standout this year in Penticton. He was one of the real surprise stories of training camp last year. He's been consistently good again in this training camp, and, and I... I think of Walker Dewar, and I, I'm not comparing them as players. I think there's a ton of differences there. But Walker Dewar was a guy that ever since he was signed by the Flames organization, every camp, he just found a way to be one of the better players on the ice. He he was a guy that stuck out for the right reasons when he maybe wasn't the guy that you were paying attention to. You always wound up yeah. noticing Walker Dewar. There was a consistency to that part of it. And that's where I love the point that you're making about Adam Klapka because he's very much become the same. Yes, he's been one of the older players. He's certainly been one of the stronger or the strongest player in Penticton for the last couple of years. But you still have to go out there and do it. It speaks to his off-season conditioning. It speaks to his preparation. 
And I think the way that he's performed so far main camp really speaks to the way that he's transitioned yep. to the North American game. And I asked him about that. He joined us post game on Sunday after the 10 nothing win. And I asked him about the transition and adjusting from playing in Europe to now playing North American pro. And, and he says he's feeling even more comfortable coming into his second year in North American pro hockey. I feel much, much comfortable this year than last year. No, I last year when I came here, it was, um, it was a little bit, a little bit took a time before I because I play on the bigger bigger ice and all that stuff. It was the hockey here is much much faster than back in Europe. So yeah, it took me a little bit while, but I think I handled it very well and I felt I, I feel much better this year than than the last than the last year. That's for sure. And I'm just curious to see how that manifests itself as this camp goes along. Like I. I've loved how, what, was it a Monday? He, uh, Yeah, it was Monday where he stuck up for teammates and, and got involved. I think it was after, I think it was the it was, Huberdo. It was Sunday night it after was Irwin, Matt, right? Irwin, yeah. Matt Irwin's collision with Huberdo. We saw Jonathan leave the ice for a spell. And then Klapka went after him. You're like, okay. Yeah, that's... some pretty heavy cross checks there. And then it was on Monday night. He got his stick slashed out of his hands. And then without the stick, he like... He is not afraid to engage, and I like he's still a young dude. Imagine if that if he puts on even a little bit more bulk, to, not not bulk because that can slow you down, but even a little bit more size and strength. And it's not like he's lacking that to begin with. But that's that's one of the biggest humans in pro hockey right now. He is a massive dude, and he brings like he's he's got a similar like he's got a Tyler Myers feel to him, just in that Myers can skate pretty well for his for his size and. He's very, very comfortable using his size effectively. Man, the more Klapka leans into that yeah. while still having those other elements, I, I think there's something there. I really do. Yeah, I was uh, I was just chatting before the show with Sandra Persina. I obviously watched the Wranglers more last season than anybody Any us, yeah. as, as the play-by-play voice. And, and she talked about the impact he had on the Wranglers' power play a year ago, how he was a guy who, even though he was playing fourth line minutes was suddenly playing on the top power play because of the net front presence that he gave them and and the way he could finish his chances he he led the wranglers in goals in the playoffs last year playing fairly limited minutes and and to your point he has really tried to i guess grow into the way you expect or hope a guy who has his size will play. He's really tried to learn how to use it to his advantage. I know it was a surprise to him. Like there's some there's some guys in the AHL who their calling card is still fighting. We I don't know that there's a lot of old school enforcers left in the NHL, but there are some in the AHL and they would target Adam Klapka, I know, early in his first pro season because they looked at this the sheet and saw a guy who was six eight and two thirty and assumed he, he was a fighter. He's that's not him, but he has really shown a willingness to engage, to to battle a little bit more than I think you would have seen in him in the Czech League or in the USHL. Like yep. he, he he realizes that has to be not necessarily the fighting, but the physicality has to be a part of the package for him. And he really has worked to add that. And the other guys, Walker Dewar and and, and 
it's not like I thought he was behind the eight ball. He was probably in a pretty good spot to be on the opening day roster to begin with. But I, I just think he's had a good camp. He's had a good, like, he's still quick. He still uses that speed, scored a nice goal on Monday night. A few times he used that speed and kind of the relentlessness that goes along with that speed to help break things up defensively, get back on a back check. I, you know what you're going to get with Walker Dewar, and you're getting that so far in training camp, and that's been good to see too. I'd, I'd put him very much on that list as well, even though I, I don't think he was like Klapka's got a whole lot more to accomplish than Dewar did. I think a lot of people had Dewar in the mix already, but he's, he's helped himself too, too. I, uh, he's helped himself as well, as opposed to saying two twice. I, I left the rink last night and, and this is what I was thinking of driving away. I was wondering if limiting Walker doers upside to fourth liner is fair to him. And, and, and I say that is something I've done. You know, this is a guy who's just going to be a fourth liner in the NHL. Well, Every time I watch Walker Dewar, I kind of wonder if it's fair to put that ceiling on him. And I thought that again last night. I, I'm This isn't going to be a guy, don't twist my words, who's going to play top-line minutes in the NHL, but especially on a team with a shortage of right-handed shots, I, I'm starting to believe more and more that he can be a middle six option. He, I, I am too. Yep, yeah, he I just, like, what... What don't you like? He he has the speed. The motor n- literally never stops. Yeah. And he's shown way more finish than anyone thought he'd be capable of. Even last night, that finish in tight is a, you know, that that's a big league finish. And so we're talking about a guy now. Some who, of the goals he scored last year, too, yeah. at big times. Yeah, big so league finish. Even you and I can do the math. If you scored seven goals in 27 games as a rookie, that's on pace to score more than 20 if you play every game. And and I don't know that 20 is a reasonable expectation for Walker Dewar. And yet every time I see him, I walk away thinking, man, maybe I'm not giving this guy enough credit. You just like his goal song. That's, that's all. He I- has the best goal song on the Flames. And if you disagree, then sorry, you're wrong. What is his goal song? Dumas Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Kentucky Headhunters. You can take the kid out of Cochrane. Look, that sometimes when you when you're having a chat with Wes and then he busts out like a deep country western cut, you're like, oof. Never even heard of that before. Like, yeah, hey. he know he knows his Morgan Wallen and his and his yeah. uh his Luke Bryan and his I don't know who who are the other big names. Florida Georgia line. Like he knows the you're, But you're then when you go killing deep, me right now. <laughs> you're killing me right even now. Even with Morgan Wallen, we don't like Morgan Wallen. Ah, it's a little too pop country bit, for okay. my liking. There's some good stuff there. I've had last. Don't night get me on, wrong. I've had last night on repeat for about six straight days. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I I went through the same phase with Eric Francis. You know, the tiptoeing into country music. You know. No, 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 no. I don't. I'm I'm born and raised in Calgary. I don't tiptoe into country music. I just also enjoy. Some of the newer country cuts as well. That's yeah, all. That's fair. That's fair. Just, you know, don't be afraid to add Dumas Walker to your okay. iPod shuffle. Like if I were to say Amarillo by Morning, the greatest, <laughs> Great con- the greatest country western song ever, would I, would I gain more respect in your eyes? Whew, yeah, I couldn't dispute it. Okay. I, I mean, it might not be my vote for number one. I'm a like 
my I'm I'm not saying this is the greatest country song ever, but just hook up Colin Baton Rouge. Yeah, that one that, straight into my veins. That that would be a close second. Like if I I saw I saw that live uh, at Rogers Place in Edmonton. Yeah. It's like yep, bucket list. I saw Colin Baton Rouge live. So okay, but Amarillo by morning is like that's a that's a big league pull right there. Okay, I'm glad that I was able to rectify that. Um. So that's kind of the good news side of things. I'll read you a few texts at 960-960. This from Jeff. Do you think Dryden Hunt has a chance to crack the opening day lineup, or is he destined for the Wranglers? I only saw him Sunday, but liked his agility and determination. He definitely has some tough competition with some of the younger players who have also shined. Agreed, Klapka has been a standout, but would be curious of your thoughts on Dryden. You want to start? Yeah, you go for you. You, you lit up, so you go well, first. Well, the answer is yes. Yes, absolutely. Dryden Hunt has a shot to start the season on the opening roster. This is a guy who's played 200, might be 201, but let's let's call it a couple hundred NHL games. Who, who played as recently as last year for the Avalanche, the Rangers, and the Toronto yeah. Maple Leafs. Yeah. You know, I, I wish Dryden Hunt as a fourth-line candidate was a smidge faster and yet, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this later with the uncertainty about Jacob Pelche's health with the assumption that Jacob Pelche is probably going to miss some time. I think Dryden Hunt is a guy who was on the radar already and now is very much in that mix. Well, let's get into the Pelche stuff because that's maybe the bad news side of it. Um, the the injuries that the Flames have sustained through three preseason games there was the really big near miss, and and we're quite happy Jonathan Huberdeau's okay. Uh, but you have Dennis Gilbert who gets hurt on Sunday, and he's going to miss some time. Sounds like it sounds like he's on the mend, and and it's not going to be a prolonged period of time. But still, he's he's going to miss a little bit more time uh, after he took that really heavy collision. It's funny, both the Pelche and the Gilbert situations very similar in that they're in that no man's land in that what five foot five foot yeah. area between uh, or, or close to the boards where you're really, if you're engaging the wrong way in those spots, it can be a little reckless. I thought Hoaglander's hit on Gilbert was super reckless and, and didn't need to happen. Yeah. I thought Studenich on Monday with Pelche, while the result seems like it might be worse, it was a little bit of a tougher play. Yeah, just because the they, they were engaged and Pelche turned, and I I don't think Studenich was had any malicious intent or even he didn't even follow through really all that much. I had no problem with the five for boarding, but it uh, it, it was no there was no intent there. But still in that area, I I think that you have to as as we learn more and more about the game and where injuries can happen. I think there still needs to be a conscious effort not to, to be reckless in that area, which I know is really easy for yeah. guy on a microphone to say, but that's how I would didn't think it was dirty, but I thought it was a little, it was a little iffy and, it, and maybe a little reckless in the case of last night, you know, the, the way Jacob Pelche was trying to peel back combined with how, close student each was to catching him in that moment. I, I'm not sure either guy maybe realized how close they were. And, and then suddenly I'm not sure what student each is, is necessarily supposed to do. I actually thought he was trying to let up on him, but I, I do think he tried to let up. Yeah. But you hate to see it in, in the case of Jacob Pelche, a guy who's talked about, 
the comfort level that he has being around the team now, a guy who is so anxious to build on the 24 NHL games he's played and, and any sort of pause, I guess, and any sort of layoff for, for Jacob Pelche is, is bad news for not only the young man, but for the Calgary Flames, because he, he was penciled in yep. as, as probably an opening nighter. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a little concerned about it. I know there's some concern um, with, you know, behind closed doors with the Flames, but you can't, jumped any conclusions until you get results from the MRI, which I believe he's having on, on this Tuesday. So you get the results back from the doctors and the imaging and, and see where it goes from there. But it sure did look like a shoulder. We know it's upper body. Um, and I think it's safe to say he's going to miss some time. And now it's just a, de- now it's just a determination as to if it's going to be kind of a, a few weeks or longer, or, you know, if it's going to be, can, can it, just be a bruise and maybe it's a few days and you're precautionary. Is it something that it's a few weeks or are we talking about like a separated shoulder right. where it's going to be a whole lot more? And, and obviously you hope for the best because to your point, a so much excitement surrounding Pelche and what he might be able to do this year. And B that's a guy, the flames are counting on to fill an everyday middle six role on the wing. And, and that, I think that's a somewhat significant training camp injury if it ends up being something that keeps Pelche out for an extended period. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Dennis Gilbert, who was a guy that, you know, was probably going to be in the mix for the seventh defenseman. And, and then it's it's different. It, it's not an injury that, you know, sustained on the ice. But I think you throw Oliver Shillington in the conversation as well in terms of yeah. players that may not be available to the Calgary Flames for a variety of reasons. And so it's been a, a tough start to training camp for that. Yep. You know, that that's three guys that had a good chance of being on the opening night roster. Two of them that were probably locks to be on the opening night roster who Gilbert and Pelche. Well, Shillington well, too. And Pelche, yeah. yeah. And I, with Shillington unavailable, I think Gilbert was pretty close to I a lot too. You, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, some, some tough news for the Calgary flames to start camp. It with the the Gilbert and Shillington situation, I don't think there's any doubt opens the door for Osterley. He was probably on the roster anyway, mm-hmm. but now opens the door for opening night, October 11th, to be in the lineup. And maybe it does even open the door like a for a guy like Solovyov. We'll see what Gilbert's situation's like and and how things evolve with with Oliver and and his situation. I, I meant to ask you this earlier on Solovyov, but would you? Have you seen enough that you'd put him with Chris Tana for an exhibition game, or do you, or do you need to just build that chemistry with Osterley, assuming he's going to start the season in that spot? You know what? Because it's Tanev, and I think that he would make it easy for the average beer league guy to to play with him. Um, I think non beer league guys like Osterley, a little bit of time with them and then some time with somebody else and back with Tanev is fine. So yeah. to answer your question, hundred percent, I'd give Solovyov a shot there. Absolutely. I would. When, uh, when we talk about Jacob Pelche and for those just joining us, the assumption being he's going to miss some time. Who, who does that open the door for, for you? Dryden Hunt, Adam Klapka. Um, those would be two that, that, come to mind right away trying to think of some other names kind of in that conversation in the the tweener type players i found it very interesting uh obviously not related to the pelche injury because the lineup in seattle was set 
before that happened, but I found it very interesting. The Flames had Connor Zari on the wing, yeah, on the wing last yep. night, and and again we didn't see it. We were at the Saddle Dome, but maybe there's an opportunity for him as well as yeah. as a winger. Yeah, I think that's a fair one too. I think Zari would be in that mix. Um, Clark Bishop, I know they like. They, yeah, uh, he's he's a guy who's got some NHL games in. Um, and again, it might even be as simple as a 13th or 14th forward spot to start the year. But I think there's a, there's a door open, especially if Pelche isn't ready to start the regular season, which yeah. then which then puts them in a really interesting cap situation too. Sure. Because and and credit to Pike because uh, Ryan Pike um, filled me in on this because I wouldn't know. But the cap implications basically mean that. You can't put them on LTIR and retro it to the preseason. It ha- it, the LTIR doesn't start until the start of the regular season. And thus, if you were to put Pelche on LTIR, he'd have to be out the requisite amount of time for LTIR starting at the beginning of the regular season. Which would, So if you don't put him on LTIR, then he counts on your cap. If you do, it means he's out for a set amount of time. Right. So you're kind of in an interesting spot there, too. Kudos to Pike. Yeah. I feel like I just watched The Matrix. <laughs> Sometimes when Pike talks, <laughs> you get you get the ones and zeros because you're like, oof. Okay. It, he he knows what he's talking about. Now I have to decipher the matrix. You know, one more name we should add in in the sense of who might be able to fill the void for Jacob Pelche, depending on how long he's out. And I I feel like this is is probably far fetched. At this point, but you wonder about Sam Honzek as well. He's a guy still here to me who has probably looked a little overwhelmed in the early stages of, of his first training camp. But in the case of an 18 year old and an 18 year old with his talent level, I think you can get that. You know, you can go from looking a little bit overwhelmed to looking fairly comfortable in a pretty short order, and and so it's a good sign for him that he was not among the guys reassigned to their junior clubs today. And the fact that he's still around, I guess you could call him a long shot for that spot too. Flames uh, went from 64 to 55, by the way, on this Tuesday on their camp roster. Uh, the only player that is uh, team property is Jaden Lipinski. He got into his first preseason game on Monday night, so he got the NHL preseason experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'll head back to the Vancouver Giants and then uh, eight ATOs have been released from those tryouts. Oliver Peer, Nathan Pilling, Oliver Tulk, Tyson Galloway, Donovan McCoy, Charles Cote, Quinn Mante, and goaltender Yari Kikinen have uh, all been released from their ATOs. Some good news in there for Calgary Hitman fans. Yes. Because both Tyson Galloway and Oliver Tulk will now be rejoining the the Hitman and, and should benefit certainly from, I think Galloway was in the lineup last night in Seattle. Yep. But I think both would certainly benefit from the pro camp experience. Hanzek and Moran, the highest two picks from the most recent draft, still with the team. Moran got a good chunk of time in, especially with uh, Mackenzie Weekers. <laughs> Potty mouth. I hope he wasn't mic'd I up I want to know night. what he said. I wish I wish we could have gotten that time with Mackenzie that we got on Monday morning when it was just me and you standing there talking to him while everybody else was waiting to come into the ring. Yeah. I wish we could have asked him then what he said. But obviously he wouldn't have known then because he hadn't said it yet. We were standing there just joking around with Mackenzie Weger and we said to him, 10 goals last night. How are you guys going to top that? And I did not have 24 PIMs on the bingo card, <laughs> but 
It, it, was it a span of like 201 or something? Well, he got 14 on one yeah. and then 10 more when he got the game after they scored on the power play. So he said he must have said something on the ice. Yeah. And then he said something else from the penalty box. The old and the, the official already probably had a finely tuned Mackenzie Weger ear after <laughs> what was said on the ice. And then, uh, oh, he heard that over the din. Out you go. I just saw, I saw him leaving the ice after the goal. I'm like, did he just get, did he just get teed up? Yep. He sure did. And, and there he goes. And you know what? Every once in a while, you'll see a guy get tossed for giving the refs an earful. And you kind of think to yourself, geez, I'm, I'm a little surprised by that. Not last night. No, not last night. No. I'd like to know what he said. Yeah, we should ask him. Uh, We should. I don't know if he'll tell us, but we should. Yeah, I don't know that we could necessarily run with it on Flamestock. Maybe Flamestock after dark. How's Cam on the bleeper? Yeah, Cam, you can uh, get get to work on that. I'm always ready. Flamestock after dark. On satellite radio, we can do that. Uh, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, this hour of Flames Talk underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Steinberg and West says this hour of Flames Talk rolls on. So Monday saw our first preseason looks at both Dan Vladar and Dustin Wolf. They played 60 minutes each. In fact, uh, Vladar played 65 in Calgary's 3-2 shootout win on the road in Seattle. Wolf played all 60 in the 5-3 loss to the Kraken at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Uh, for Wolf, 23 stops on 28 shots. Vladar, 35 stops on 37 shots. Let's let's start with because look, you even asked Dustin this on Monday night. Like everybody's talking about three goaltenders and the goaltending situation. Let's start with Dustin. We saw him in person at the dome. I thought it was a, a so-so night by his standards. I didn't think there were any bad goals necessarily. And I thought, I mean, I, it looked like Manjapani got his little little stick on the first goal. The two. Goals from Yamamoto were difficult power play ones. It took weird bounces. The Borgen goal was a great A, and I don't really know what what was happening on the Carche situation. That sequence was very strange. Breakaway, bad clear, yeah, right into the back of the net. Bad clear is generous. Yeah, and and that was rough someone one. did point out on the text line, and I agree with this. Ben Jones is another guy that could be in that conversation we just had about who might get a shot at a Jacob Pelche type role. But um, Ben Jones did not strengthen his case on that sequence. Agreed. That was a, that was a rough sequence for him. Um, Let me just loop back to yeah. Wolf. The only goal, and I don't think you have a problem with it, but the, the one that illustrates what every undersized goalie is going to deal with throughout his career, and there's just going to be some of these, is the first one. There may have been a stick on it, but it hits him in his, you know, hits his shoulder and winds up top shelf. That's going to be the drawback of having an undersized goalie. Yep. That hits your other two goalies in the shoulder and either goes high or falls in front of them. But that's just going to be what it is with Dustin Wolf. And and I think I, I talked to a couple people today who know the position better than I do, which most people, but Basically, the wasn't bad, but we're used to him making a few of those stops. Sure. Now, in saying that, 
has historically been somewhat of a slow starter. So I, I think decent chance that we see him Wednesday against Winnipeg. And so maybe that's a better night for him if he goes against the Jets. And I, I think that you're talking about, you're probably talking about a much more stacked lineup that he'll see against Winnipeg in Winnipeg if they do decide to go that way. Yeah. Um. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. It was a so-so night by his standards. A lot of times we've seen him make some of those stops and maybe he didn't in his first preseason affair, but here's, here's where I am. I, at no point, I guess I feel exactly the same way about Wolf after Monday than I did before Monday in that I felt like training camp is too short a runway, not enough time, not enough reps, and not enough actual meaning. Like even if you're facing grade A lineups, still the preseason. Yeah. And I just I've never felt like Wolf is going to be able to get enough runway in the preseason to completely displace Dan Vladar and turn this into a situation where he's clearly the NHL backup. I think he can better his cause. I think he can keep himself in the mix and maybe put himself even more in the mix as we start the regular season. But to actually put himself ahead of the incumbent, I just don't feel like that was in the cards during this training camp. I, I want to weigh in on this in just a second, but but I and I think others were maybe more impressed by what we heard from Dustin Wolf post-game last night than even what we saw on the ice or, or are even accustomed to seeing on the ice from Dustin Wolf. So, uh, cause uh, it ties in with, with Dan Vladar. I want to, I want to talk about what you just talked about, but let's hear Dustin Wolf first. This was him post game on Monday night. Obviously these games suck. You don't want to lose, but at the same time, they're, they're great games where you can learn a lot from them. And, um, you know, my motto is kind of either win or you learn, um, so kind of go back to the video and talk with, with Barbs and, and Scops and kind of just go over where they thought I could have been better and where I thought I could have been better and just kind of come back on Wednesday and, and get better. I haven't heard you mention that motto, you win or you learn before. But how has that sort of served you? How has that helped you get to this point today? Yeah, I mean, I've, done a, I've won a lot of hockey games over the last couple of years and um, know when, I, when we do lose a game, it's a good opportunity to kind of come back to earth and... Um, I'll go back to video and go back to, you know, the way you, you learned how to play goaltender, and um, you'll find find new ways to get better. And um, you know, tomorrow's another day, and get the reset, and come back on Wednesday, and just go from there. That didn't sound like a guy to me who's been putting so much pressure on himself to be perfect in exhibition, so he makes the team. I I was really impressed by what we heard from Dustin Wolf. It it actually reminded me of some of the. Th- same sort of confidence and poise and don't worry about it that he showed after he got shelled in his first pro game before getting sent back to junior. And we all know how, Way back how to that the early spring of 2021. Yeah, or whatever it was. And, yeah. and we all know how that's worked out so far. So, so no worries there. He, he did rebound from that tough first start as a pro. I, I want to get back to what you were asking about whether Dustin Wolf would have enough runway to sort of upset or to change the goaltending depth chart during camp. And my answer to that yesterday and even more so today would be that the only way for Dustin Wolf to do that would be for Dan Vladar to falter. That if Dan Vladar sort of did his thing in training camp and in the preseason, there probably wasn't going to be a way for 
Dustin Wolf to flip that two, three on the depth chart. And so I think more so than Dustin Wolf giving up five last night on 29 shots, I think Dan Vladar's performance is a really nice way for Dan to say, hey, I've heard all the noise about trading me. You know, I, I know what all the speculation is about how are they going to create a spot for Dustin. I'm just going to do Don't my thing. Don't forget about me. Yeah. Kind of thing. And, and we obviously weren't there in Seattle, as we keep mentioning. But without Dan Vladar faltering, I think it's going to be really tough for mm-hmm. Dustin Wolf to start this season in the NHL. And from all we've heard from those who were in Seattle, you know, watching the post-game of L's with the Flames players last night in Seattle, sounds like uh, Dan Vladar was just fine. 35 on 37, two more in the shootout, stopping both Kraken shooters as Calgary won 3-2 in that half of the split squad. This was Dan after Monday night. I mean, it's preseason, right? A long season, so uh, obviously uh, it's always tough for those first games, you know, especially I, uh, I jumped right in a full game, you know, because usually they, you just play halves or something, so full game right away. I'm, I'm glad I got over it, and uh, I believe it's, it's, that's awesome. So Dan looked good. Apparently, by all accounts, best flame on the ice, if not best player on the ice. Monday at Climate Pledge, he did what he had to do, and and he's he may, maybe he is making a statement. Maybe it was just a really good game. Who knows? But he's still the incumbent. Yeah. Like he's still. I, I kind of liken it to the CFL crossover, right? Like you've got to be a game. You can't finish in a tie. There's no tiebreaker. You've got to be a game better if you're a team wanting to cross over in the CFL. Well, I think if you're Dustin Wolf, you can't just be even. You have to be clearly better than Dan Vladar in training camp in the preseason to even make this a conversation right now. That's not to say down the road, the conversation doesn't evolve. But right now, that's the way I see it, and that's the way I think the Flames are going about it, which is why it just feels unrealistic that unless there's a trade, unless one of these three goaltenders gets moved out or knock on wood gets hurt, but more so the trade route. Pat's knocking on wood so they don't, don't get, get hurt. hurt. Yes, knock on wood, they don't get hurt. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, I think that it's going to be an American League start for Dustin, mm-hmm. and then working in some NHL starts when they can. It's, it's just the way things are, the way things looked like they were trending in August and early September, and now as we move into October, I still think that's the way it's going to go, and I don't think what we saw Monday from Dustin or Dan is is has really changed all that much. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, other than just how encouraging it is on the Vladar front. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, you know, we've talked so much about the flames that need to bounce back after last season and not many people include Dan Vladar on their list of guys who need to have a bounce back season, but I actually do. He he finished with a sub 900 save percentage. He really struggled when given the opportunity to swipe the starting job from Jacob Markstrom. He skipped world championships because of an injury. So I, I think the lingering injury issue probably had something to do with the way he finished the season, but I, despite tying a franchise record for the longest point streak by a goalie, I actually thought that there were lots of reasons that Dan Vladar probably left town unsatisfied with what he did last season. Yep. And last night is a really nice way for him to start to build that back up. 
So we'll see how that uh, evolves. Uh, see if it is indeed Wolf who goes Wednesday in Winnipeg. That's kind of what the anticipation is. So we'll, we'll see if Wolf and even what he said last night sounded like maybe he was... Uh, he was feeling like he might be going Wednesday. So if he does go Wednesday, good opportunity for Wolf to continue his preseason in a positive manner. Just uh, quickly before we wrap the hour, Heritage Classic just over a month away. I really like, they, they released the jerseys on this Tuesday. I really like both of them. I think the Flames are slightly better. It's because I don't, I, the, the pretend old school 1930s pants they look fine. They're they're okay. Like they look good, but not great. Whereas I just like the color scheme a little bit better on the Flames side. But I thought both the Oilers and the Flames Homer. kits looked. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I won't. I won't deny that. Yeah. I thought you're not gonna you're, on a show called Flamestock. You're not gonna catch me here. You know what I? <laughs> you know who has the best jerseys? Yeah. Uh, but I I do like just aesthetically. I think they both look sharp. I really do. People were all over me on on Twitter. What do you mean they both look sharp? You know that you, you can have, like, everybody's eyes are different. Everybody's uh, view of aesthetics are different. So I can think they look sharp. Yeah. And you can't. And that doesn't mean that either of us are wrong. I, I got the same thing from a couple. Are you kidding? Settle the F down. I, I'm not a jersey guy. And, and when I say I'm not a jersey guy, I don't have. You want them shirtless. Jerseys <laughs> at home. You know, I, I'm not wearing them places. But. You don't have a bunch of Gilbertson jerseys in your closet? <laughs> I, I do not have any framed Gilbertson jerseys, but I like these ones. And I, I think the Flames ones, uh, a sort of tribute to the Calgary Stampeders hockey team yeah. of the 1950s and 1960s in what was then a pro Western Hockey League. I, I think they're really cool. I think they're sharp. Yeah, I love them. And I like I like the Oilers logo. I like the the way they incorporate the typical Oilers color scheme yeah. and make it look. That's why and, I, I, I I think they both look sharp. I think they'll look great when they play one another on October 29th. And let me preface this by saying this is how I judge jerseys. The photo pops up, and the first thing in my head was, ah, oh, those are sharp. And I don't think any more about it. The color scheme, the textiles, not looking too deep into it. I think they look sharp. And then on to the next thing on Twitter. I even liked, I even remember how everybody hated the, um, hated the, what, like mm, 2014, circa 2014, yeah. third jersey the Flames had with the handwriting. I thought it was fine. I, I liked yeah. it. They were cool. I didn't have a problem with them. You, it, it, maybe we can go to break right after this so I don't get people too wound up, but I don't love the Blasty. I like Blasty too. The only one I haven't liked was the first Heritage Classic jersey. Okay. Like the way back 2011 Heritage Classic jersey, the red and yellow one. Didn't I didn't love that one. Didn't love that one. But I've got a I've got a jersey. Like it's not like I'd throw it out. It's fine. I just didn't like it as much as the other ones. Did you get loved. Steinberg on the back? Oh, absolutely. I do have one Steinberg, but it was because I was on the ice doing the the super skills one. So they okay. made a Steinberg one for me. That's the only Steinberg jersey I own. Flame Steinberg. Yeah. What number? I think I think it was eighty four. Yeah, they gave you a camp number. Hey, that's my birth year. So you know, <laughs> I, I usually eighty four is easy. So yeah, and I'm not like pretending. If it were like. 19's the number I'd always go with. Right. But I'm not going to put that in a Flames jersey. No, like, the, okay, this, is, loser. this is good for me to know. Like, I'm also an 84, and if, I, if I'm 
ever, you know, offered the MC gig at the skills competition, I'll know that that's been retired. Taken. Yeah, <laughs> you don't touch that thing. Uh, by the way, Heritage Classic tickets still available. Uh, lots of tickets if you want well, a lot, but there are still some tickets that are available at Commonwealth Stadium. It's October 29th. First come, first come, first served. Ticketmaster.ca slash Heritage Classic. One more time, Ticketmaster.ca slash Heritage Classic to secure yours now.